You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? All right. All right. Good. Good. Um, so as we begin this sermon series and uh, as I thought about the topic as we begin this weekend, um, I got thinking about one of my favorite, it was kind of a surprising moment when I was in the movies, but one of my favorite all-time movie scenes, it comes from the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if you guys have seen that, um, but uh, it, it's, it's really what I like about it is it kind of reminds me of us, um, losers. All right, just make sure you're all right, good, right? Outcasts, like nobodies, and yet brought together to be in a mission that we never thought we'd be a part of, but here we are. And the question is, what will we do? So, whether you like it or not, let's watch that scene together, all right? Guys, come on. Yondu is going to be here in two seconds. He expects to hear this big plan of ours. I need your help. I look around at us. You know what I see? Losers. I mean, like, folks who have lost stuff. And we have, man, we have, all of us. Our homes. Our families. Normal lives. And usually life takes more than it gives, but not today. Today it's given us something. It has given us a chance. To do what? For once. Not run away. I, for one, am not going to stand by and watch as Ronan wipes out billions of innocent lives. But, Quill, stopping Ronan, it's impossible. You're asking us to die. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. Most my life surrounded by my enemies. I will be grateful to die among my friends. You are an honorable man, Quill. I will fight beside you. And in the end, you'll see my wife and daughter again. So as we freeze there, first of all, you're pretty disappointed that I'm standing up again and you can't watch the rest, but my wife made us, uh, twisted my arm, and we watched that movie last night after church because she's like, you know what I want to watch? So uh, that might be you. Uh, just uh, be careful if you've never seen it with kids. It is PG-13. Thank you to Steve for cleaning that clip up a little bit uh, for us. But the reason I love it is if you freeze, that's Rocket if you've never seen the movie. And that's what really represents any of us that are called to that. Like he said, you're, you're calling us to die. Like, you're, you're calling us to do something that's incredibly risky, right? And, and that is the mission of the gospel. 
That is the purpose. It's called to fight for the greatest story. The, the reason why scenes like this, they do something. No matter what kind of human being you are. Something like this. Or maybe you've seen Rocky and you're like, oh, i got to beat her. Like the, the, whether it's a, a, a pregame speech by the coach or whether it's, you know, uh, Freedom by Mel Gibson. Right? You're just ready to put your popcorn down and get in the fight. And you're like, oh, my, I don't think so. I'll just let them do it, right? And, and the reason you're stirred in your heart when you see scenes like that is because God did make us for a purpose that's far greater than battling in a galaxy far, far away. It is the mission of the gospel. And we're called, even though we're losers, outcasts, brought together for the greatest mission ever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our Savior and Lord. I would pray, oh God, that you would do work through the truth of your word today. Use me as your vessel to encourage, convict, to inspire, to get us in the fight, if we're not, to give us strength to keep fighting if we are. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So we're just calling this um, message, um, it's just simply our time, our time. And it is going to be uh, uh, the very beginning. If you want to follow along with us, whether it's the Bible in front of you or your own Bible device or whatever, uh, we'll put it on the screen. But it's very easy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. So we're going to do this series. We're going to go through this this letter together. Okay. Uh, By the way, just before we we get to that, I do want to introduce to you our new pastor, Pastor Josh. He's here right there. You probably already met him. He's a shy person. Uh, Yeah, you can give him a... Round of applause because he's going to be working with teenagers and they will not be applauding for him. I am sure of that. So, and I said at the nine, I said, hey, you know those of you parents, you have the little babies, you can hand them off at the nursery, right? Well, those of you with teenagers, you can now do the same thing to Josh, all right? Take them away, all right? So he's also going to be working with our college students and young adults too, so we're excited to have him and his family with with us. Um, So as we begin in, in chapter one of 2 Timothy this is what's called, amongst two others, and they're together in our New Testament, pastoral letters, okay? So we have a lot of letters of Paul, but most of them are to churches, right, to congregations like ours. And there's things going on or issues to, to correct or all that kind of stuff. But these pastoral letters were to individuals. And so you have one that's written to Titus, who was a protege of Paul's and was in Crete, doing, uh, dealing with some issues there. And so he wrote, writes that to, to, to Titus. Timothy, there's two, and that's a good, good friend of Paul's. Um, he's clearly someone that, that is like a, a, a protege of Paul, and, and he has great feelings for him. He had sent him to Ephesus. The first letter of Timothy is all about that. There's some issues going on in Ephesus. There's some false teaching, and Timothy's really laying in on that. Second Timothy is, I would argue, probably the most sobering and, and emotional book of our Bibles. Because here we have, and Paul had been arrested several times, right? But here we have, most likely, the last time. And he knows it's over. He knows all of his ministry, all of it's, it's over. And he's kind of handing it off to Timothy. So you have this handing off, but it's also this great emotion of that he faces his own demise, right? And so in it, he does this amazing, um, even though it's probably something that when you read it, you skipped over pretty quickly, 
But this, this greeting, how he, how he begins his letter is really important. He identifies himself like he always does. He says, I'm Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. But here's what I want you to see. By the will of God. All right? Notice that. According to the promise of life. I want you to see that too. The promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul, when he writes, he's always, when he ministers, he's always aware of two things. More than two things. He's Paul, right? He's the one that preached till midnight and a poor Eutychus fell out the window, okay? So if you think my sermons are long, try Paul sometime, okay? And, and yet, he, he always was so keenly aware, so keenly aware, that all of his ministry, all of who he is and what he's done and what he's now doing, even why he's in prison, is because it's a call of God. Right? This wasn't Paul, you wake up someday, right? He remembers, he's told, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. Like, line up the sinners, I'm number one. That's not a ranking you want. That was him. All right, if you read Acts, Paul was, 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 was the guy hunting down Christians to kill them, to drag them away, to throw them in prison. He hated Christianity. He hated Jesus. He hated the idea of Jesus. And yet, it is Christ who, who blinded him on the road to Damascus, right? <laughs> Said, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and saved Paul radically, he gets healed, he gets baptized, and he's commissioned to bring the mission to the Gentiles. Right? So he's always aware. I'm here, Timothy. I'm here because of God. There is no other reason, and that's the same for you and I. You did not wake up one day and decide, I'm going to become religious. I'm going to be. No, 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 no. You were far off, and God rescued you, pursued you. And secondly, he, he was always aware what this mission is. It is the promise of life that is in Jesus Christ. That this, this whole mission that we're called to be a part of, the reason we're here today is because he, Jesus, has, has made a way for us to go from death to life. Because of the cross, because three days later he rose, because of that we can too. And he's, he's like, this is the message. This is the whole promise. This is the whole mission. It's the mission of life. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Right? The mission of life. And so I, I think it's appropriate for us as we look at our own lives is to remember God is the one who says it's our time. God does. Right? He calls us. Paul, he faces death. Right? He, he, he's the most uh, aware you possibly can be. And, and as he knows, man, my days are numbered that Jesus is where life is found. And if you've ever faced your own demise, you're sick, you're getting older, the more aware you become, I hope, of the life that's found in Christ. And, and, and he's, he's like remembering, I'm only here because God has called me here. Timothy, who he's writing to, like, if you know anything about Timothy, he was a Greek. So he wasn't circumcised. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, uh, you know, and anybody was a cast off. He was a nobody. He was another loser. And yet here's Timothy working at Ephesus. And the whole point of this gospel is <laughs> that's who we are. Losers. Cast offs. Nobodies. And so if you're here, like you're not a Christian, you're like, you're baffled by the fact that you, with the mess you've made in your life, that you, that you could possibly be God's child, that you could be, right? You're the one who maybe you said, I've heard this like a thousand times, if I go to church, the roof's going to cave in. 
Like you, I bet you thought that was an original thought of yours, and it isn't. A lot of people think that, and I always say the same thing. Why would God crush all of us because of you? He wouldn't, right? No. Here's what I really say, okay? Is that, that if you're a mess, and if you're a cast-off, and if you're a loser, and if you realize, I can't do it, right? Welcome. You're home. That's who we all are. Sure, we clean up, and God has cleaned up some of our lives, and we are a process right till the day we die. But I'm telling you, if you feel like it can't be me, then the more likely it is you. That God has rescued you. And all you need to do is come in. All you need to do is let God save you. And so for all of us who are called by God, just as Paul was, just as Timothy is, right, it is our time, our time. In my, um, my wedding ring here, uh, I have both Heather and I, 25 years ago, May 2nd, right? Unbelievable. Clap for her if you want. Don't clap for me. Uh, and, and on our rings, right, is, is uh, engraved, first of all, the date of our wedding. So I would never forget our anniversary. Thought I was smart. Didn't realize it would just be a few years that I can't get this thing off, to be honest. That's why we stay married. We can keep our rings. No, that's not why we stay. And, and, and on it also is the date, but also it's just this, in quotes, it says, our time. Our time. And it's quoted after a, if you know Heather, this won't surprise you, a Neil Diamond song. And it's not as well a well-known song, and we, we danced to it at our wedding. But it was very special to us because we uh, dated for eight years. We were together since sophomore year in, in high school. And um, her family relocated to this, like, to this area two uh, hours away from where we grew up. So we went to different colleges, and even on college breaks, which if you have a kid in college, you realize they're on break way more than they're at college, right? And, and, and even on breaks, we were, we were distant, always distant, always. Always fighting to spend time together, always, right? And, and, and we always heard, you're never going to make it, you're too young, blah, 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 blah. And finally we got, and it was actually right here that we got married and expressed our vows, and it was like, it's our time now. Nobody's going to take this away from us. They're not going to cause distance anymore. And so I want you to hear that this right now, 2020, what are we, three, right? I keep writing 2003 on my checks. Does that mean I'm getting old? I don't know why I keep doing that. 2023. The, the, oh, it's a mess. This, you were made for this time. And whatever someone says, are you going to church? Is that like a cult? You drink Kool-Aid? All those stuff. Mocker, you shouldn't be. All that stuff. Forget about it. This is, you are part of the greatest mission ever, whether you knew it or not. I'm telling you, that's the whole point. It's that you are called by God, and this, against all odds, is our time. It's our time in the mission. It's not Paul's time anymore. It's not Timothy's time anymore. It's yours and mine and ours in the mission. You might look around and, 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 you know, look around the room. Or when we, we leave here and you start looking around, you're like, wow, this is kind of a crazy group of people. I just go in there in between the 9 and the 11. Like, there's kids everywhere. There's older people. Like, all kinds of ruffians, I'll tell you, right? Like I always tell you, keep your belongings close, right? Especially when we're closing our eyes for prayer. You never know, right? Because we all got past. We all got mess. We all got, right? But here we are. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's our time. That's why the enemy, the demonic forces, are always trying to, to, to steal, distract, right? Distra- always. Don't have courage. Don't step up. Give in to failure. Give in to your depression. It is over. Don't do it. Like, that is the enemy and what God is saying. I've called you. 
get in the fight. It's our time. There's nothing greater. Ultimately, what the mission of life is, it's a story. This isn't a political position. This isn't a, 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 just a, a do's and don'ts. This is your story of a redeeming God who's rescued and has, and has gone and, and, and taken us who are far off and saved us. It's your story. It's your unique, beautiful story. of what, Even if those of you got the boring testimonies, right, where you were born in the nursery at the church, and here you are. It's an awesome story. What grace God has given you to have that kind of story. And those of you rescued from the streets, hooked on drugs, right, and everywhere in between, it's your story of death to life, and it's your story to tell, and it's your story to be a part of, and it is our time. Right? So if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're saying, wait a minute, are you, are you trying to get me to become a Christian? Yes, I am. But I can't do it. It's call of God. It's God's call. I'm just a vessel. We're just a vessel. We want so desperate. We're not going to shut the doors and, and, and make you sleep here till you trust in Christ. No, no, no. It's ultimately God giving you the faith to believe. But that's the honest truth. We desperately want you to go from death to life. If that's you, it's a compelling, compelling story. And, 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 and over the years, I'll get up here, I'll say, it's your mission, get in, get in the right. And sometimes I feel like you're staring back at me, I'm like, that sounds good for other people, but not me, Jamie. Maybe you think you're not good enough, you don't have enough. Maybe it's just an excuse, right? We're full of excuses. Do you remember in the gospel when, when, when and, and maybe not, but I love it. It sounds really harsh, right? Jesus is calling people to follow him, and, and someone's like, let me go bury my father. Nope, follow me. Whoa. Let me go plant my, my harvest. Nope, follow me. You know why? Jesus isn't saying you don't go to your dad's funeral, right? He's saying it's an excuse. You're always going to find one. Well, I can't. I got this going on in my life, or I, got, I don't know enough. I'm not enough, blah, blah, blah. He's just like, come on, come on. Follow me. Get in the game. Get in. Get in the fight. Get in the fight now. You see, what we do is we say, well, I don't have enough. So, you know, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know as much as her or him. I remember when I was a new Christian. Like, I was um, uh, in, in college, just out of college. And, and like, I, I was like, all right, I got to, this is how my mind works. I got to study and know everything, and then maybe I'll have something to offer. Anybody else like that? All right, and I got to fill up. And, and, and honestly, at first I was excited. I got kind of bored. I just got bored. Right? Because um, it, it, it's like seed that we spread when we, when we get in the fight. You will not grow if you do not sow. It even rhymes. You should be able to remember that. You will not grow if you do not sow. At youth, at, at youth group in our small group last Sunday, Catherine Violet, who's I think here, yeah, she was, she was uh, reminded us, it was great, she reminded us of, um, I have a friend, pastor, who we always try to go to uh, snow camp when he speaks, Josh Wyatt, because he's awesome, and we know he's true, and true to the gospel, and she reminded us of an illustration he used, and it was about a balloon, and I said, well, you're never going to see me doing that, because I'm afraid of balloons, as you know, uh, I'm popping balloons, so, but Josh said that, that as you fill up, and it blows up, blows up, blows up, you've got, you've got to let it flow through you, or you're going to pop, and you're going to get bored, because it's boring just studying all the time. You want to get in the fight, and as you're in the fight, you get excited. You get excited because you're doing something with what you know. It's not easy. Like when I was first a Christian, I, got, I didn't start growing until I was asked to help with youth ministry. In my early 20s, 
amazing thing is we still have a bunch of other youth leaders who were with me then, so they can attest to you that I probably said some things that, oh, my goodness, I did what? I said what? Like, I shouldn't have been doing that at all. And yet, God used all of us. We, we just a couple weeks ago, we had a visitor. I recognized him um, from youth group all those years ago. That kid was a mess. Loved him, but if you said he's going to be a, a strong follower of Christ someday, I would have been like, mm, nope, don't have my money on that one at all. And yet here he was with his wife and four kids, Bibles in hand, praising God. He's a Sunday school teacher, youth leader in his church up in Maine. And he said afterwards, he said, that was a great sermon. I just, I'm used to sermons that are longer. I don't hear any amens from all of you. What's up, man? But I was like, man, right? Like, like, first time I've ever been accused of that. And so, so like, I'm, but I was just thinking to myself, like, and it wasn't just me or just us, but we just, we made a mark, even though we were kind of pretty pathetic, right? But that's what God does. And there's people in this world, for a lot of you, that are followers of Christ or following Christ closer because you've been here, because you fixed that door, because you took care of the baby in the nursery, because you oh, had the courage to share Christ with them, because you served on the worship team, because, right, that you are here, because this is the mission of life. And so maybe some of you, because some of you just need to be encouraged to keep going, because you're, you're like, oh, man, I'm tired. Keep going. You don't know the impact you're having. You do. But some of you might be like, well, what do I do? What should I do? It's a good question. And that, this is why you pay me the big bucks, okay? So get your little notes out or your little device, and here's the answer. What should I do? Do something. I know, right? Awesome. Awesome wisdom from your pastor. Just do something. Pastor Bob always talks about when he first became a believer, he was like him and he and Nita, they, they, became, they were asked to be youth leaders, kind of like, what, you know, I don't know if you're a new Christian, they're like, work with the teens. This will validate whether you're really a believer, right? I don't know. I don't know. But he said two weeks, and he was like, I'm out. Just wasn't his thing. He tried it. He moved on to something else. He found a better fit for his gifts and talents, and that's okay. Do something. You may be like, hmm, right? You're really good with creative posts on social media? Do it for God. Right? You're, you're really good at, at what well, you have a passion for babies, you have a passion for kids, teens, you have a passion for, to make see men follow the Lord, then, then get in the game. Whatever you're passionate for, jump in and just do something. Watch what God does. Right? Watch what God does. Okay, now that I'm done with my introduction, <laughs> some of you are like, oh, he's not even kidding. Why are you laughing? I am, I am. You guys are going to be fine, I promise. Verse 2, all right. Uh, he says, this is such a beautiful verse, right? He says, to Timothy. So that's who the letter's to. My beloved child. Oh, this, is, this isn't just some random letter. This is a major connection and a bond in Christ. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What a greeting. He says, beloved child. Here's what I want to tell you about the mission. Some of you already know this even better than I do, so it's a reminder. But some of you don't. Like, I wish I had closer friends who were Christians. I'm telling you, getting part of the mission is how you form those. It just is. Right? You just, just, it's forged in the fight. That's how they are, right? It's always how it works. Paul and Timothy have this amazing close relationship because they, they met and they joined the fight of the gospel. The same will happen to you. You know, I could, I could give up. I, I was, we had our um, elders retreat this past week. I always call it a working retreat. 
Some of you are all like, oh, did you have a relaxing time? No, no. Actually, we have a fun time, but that's really where they come up with a list of things to torture me for the next year to do. Um, and, and, and as I sat there at one point, I looked around the room, and I realized every elder I have just this amazing relationship and friendship with, which is a serious gift. You know, I, I look at um, Paul Cedia. Paul's back there somewhere. He's been there since the beginning when almost nobody else was there. He was there. And he's always been there. And he makes a great red sauce, by the way, too. Right? Paul. I, I look at, at Bob. He's the, he, he hasn't been with us as long, Pastor Bob. But, but, but man, I think to myself, if I, I pray, God, that I might help a younger pastor in the, in the same amazing way he's been there for me, how God's used him in my life. Right? I, I, I look at Greg Masadi. Years of praying together, laughing together, crying together, working together for the gospel. Right? I look at, at uh, Tom and, and, and Darren. They were with me when we were those pathetic youth leaders, along with others. And they're still there. That's a grace of God right there, right? And, and the friendships that we have formed, the trust that cannot be replicated without years of, of the fight together. Right? And last but not least, the last to come, the six, seven giant who's back there, can't miss him, Michael Bundy. Right? The friendship that we have, like that goes way before he was an elder. Way before. For whatever reason, not many people want to be a friend with a pastor, and I understand. But he, I wouldn't be here, standing here, if it weren't for him. That happens over time, and it happens over. Good times and bad times. I've seen it. Just like I was watching the, 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 the outreach team. I looked outside. I said, oh, guys, this is not going to be a fun one out there in the rain, right? And they're like, yeah, well, we got like, but their relationships are going to be forged with fighting for the gospel in the middle of a monsoon. You can't replicate it. I saw guys laughing and talking to each other because they came together and helped build, build a, a ramp for, for the Halises. And, and, and they, they have this bond now, right? That's how it works. So if you want that, that's how you get in. You get in the fight. And you do ministry. And it's forged over time together. That's what happens. It's not all pretty. A lot of it hurts. And so he says in this greeting, before I move on, if you know Paul well, some of you do, he loves to say grace and peace. So he adds a word. To Timothy. Grace, mercy. Bob talked about mercy in his elder prayer. Grace, mercy, peace. I just wonder, here is Paul facing death, recognizing the life that's found in Christ, and he realizes at an even deeper level the grace and mercy and peace that God gives you such a time as this. And he, and he takes it and he dispenses it to Timothy. The mercy of God grace of God, the peace of God. That's my hope for you, whatever you are going through. This past Wednesday, some of you know, we had a really, really, really hard memorial service. Andy Grizoulis left two teenage daughters, a wife, hard, to, like, and it was the biggest funeral. I've, and I've done some big ones. If you were here, you know, man. It was like the people were causing chaos at CVS and down the road. The police are called. Like, and I, at one point on Wednesday, I was standing in, the, in kind of in the middle of the chaos by myself watching this family and just going, like, I had, like, this is about how big my outline was. It was like three sentences. 
And I'm like, God, I, you got to give me the words. I didn't call, ask for this. You called me to this. You, I'm not going to give some empty phrase that's going to do anything for two teenagers that have just lost their dad and a wife, right? So, so he did. And all it was was grace, mercy, peace that can only come from God. And so my hope for you, if you face your darkest day today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, that God would fill you with grace, peace, and mercy that only he can do. That's the message and the mission we're a part of. It's one of grace, mercy, and peace. He says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. I love that. With a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Now, here's what I want to point out about that. He says, I now serve in this mission just like my ancestors. It's a weird word for Paul to use. Here's what uh, we learn from that. That our time is in a long line of God's servants. He was talking about the Old Testament. A lot of you think that, that, that and the New Testament comes around and they were just like, yeah, scrap all that Old Testament stuff. It's a new thing that Paul's doing. That's not how Paul ever looked at it. He says, I'm in the long line of the prophets and Moses and Noah and Joshua and, and, and Samuel. Like, oh, I'm a long line of all of these people, right? Right? Long line because it's always pointed to Christ. It's always pointed to the cross and the resurrection. A lot of them didn't understand that completely. But Paul understood it. He's like, he's like, I look back and I get inspiration that I'm here because they were there. Right? And, and so we do the same thing. We look back and we're sitting here this morning worshiping God because someone else was there. We're here on the blood of martyrs who gave their life for this mission. We're here because your grandmother prayed for you. We're here because that, that neighbor shared Christ with you. Your mother brought you to church. Or, or I don't know your story, but, but that's why we're here, on the backs of these people. And it's just simply our time so that others will be here because we were there. Others who come after us. Jesus might come today, and it's over. Praise God. But if he doesn't, and there's another generation after us, it's up to us. It's our time. Oh, but I wish I lived. You don't. But I wish I would. You don't. You're here. You're now. God didn't, it's not an accident. He's uniquely made you and me and us to be here for this time, for this cause, for this mission, right? And so as we look back, it's easy to be like, yeah, but Jamie, I'm just me. Look back at the Bible, man. <laughs> like, we just hired Josh, right? We had an interviewing process. How many people, these heroes of the Bible, do you think would have even sniffed an interview? Well, there was some good, like Moses, he was a good leader. Dude, punched someone, killed him, hit him in the sand, and ran away. You think we're going to hire that guy? I mean, youth ministry, maybe. But, <laughs> but right? Like, like, you look back, Abraham, oh, Father Abraham, who sold his wife out twice. Right? Oh, Noah, he built the ark. He was faithful drinking problem there, right? Like on and on it goes. There's a few guys. Oh, these are just cast-offs, losers that God used, just like me, just like you. So yeah, look back and, and, and be thankful, but recognize it's our time. It's not, it's not Noah's time. 
It's not Moses' time. It's not Paul's time. It's not Timothy's time. It's not Augustine's time. It's not Luther's time. It's not Billy Graham's time. It's our time. Don't get infatuated with the Esther year. Get in the fight today. Get in the fight today. As I remember your tears, Paul wrote, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. We don't know what that event was where there was tears. There's a lot of conjecture. But you can just see the personal relationship they had. And we land here in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith. It's a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. And so our time in this mission is to hand it down. Right? Some of you probably noticed this. You were waiting for me to say, go deep, right? It's not a passing play. It's a hand, handoff. Right? That, 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 that Paul, Paul's like, man, I have fought the good fight, man. I've run the race, as he'll say in this letter. Right? But it's your time now, Timothy. Hand it off. He's in Ephesus, right? He's making a difference. Now it's their time. And then it's, and it's just our time. And so the question is, who are we going to hand it down to? Who are we going to make that mark? Right? And, and it starts, remember Lois, grandmother, Eunice, mother. It starts at home. It starts at home. The hardest ministry is our kids and our grandkids and those in our home. It starts there. And you know what? Yeah, but I'm a mess. I've really screwed it up. I guarantee you, Eunice had her time. was like, Timothy, I'm going to kill you. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Right? But she kept going. She kept handing off the faith. And Paul's like, Timothy, you're here now because Lois, your grandmother, Eunice, your mother was there then. And so it starts at home. But it also, here's what I want you to think. Like, because like, it's easy to spell. The gospel is not going to stop if I don't step into the fight. I, I know that. God is great. But here's what the, 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 the community might look like, and I'm sorry in advance for this, if, if you or I don't step into where we're supposed to. There's an image for you. That mouth will still work, but there's some serious things missing there, and that might be you. That just might be you. To step in with courage, to step in with strength, to just say, I don't know, but I'm going to do something. And it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost my wallet or my pocketbook. It's going to cost my calendar. It's going to cost uh, my reputation. I remember when I was a new believer still working at Bentley, and they were just like, you're at church like every single night. What is wrong with you? Is that like a cult? And I'm like, I don't think so. I should ask somebody, though. Right? I was like, I'm just there. I don't know. I somehow got signed up to all these ministry teams. I don't really know how that happened. Now as a pastor, I know how that happens, right? When new Christian excited, boom, boom, boom. We burn you right out. We try not to, though. But do something. I don't want us to look like that, right? And, and I'll take that off the screen just for your own sanity. I, I, here's how I want us to, to close. I want, this is not, please understand, please hear me. This is not a message of shame or what's wrong with you people. I've learned a long time ago, a long time ago, that those don't work. I get you to the car with your umbrella wondering, are we going to McDonald's? Are we going to go somewhere nicer? That's all it gets you to. This is what I want you to dream, and I want you to dream big because you serve and are called to life by a big God. He's a big God, and dream big. Don't say, well, that's not going to happen. It can. As you drive by the schools, you pray for those schools. As you drive by the neighborhoods, you pray for those neighborhoods. God, I'm dreaming. How are you going to use me? How are you going to use us? What can we do? So dream big and then pray big. 
dream big, and then pray big. You have no idea the impact you're having or can have. No clue. It's a wonderful life. Remember George Bailey? Right at the end, he wanted to kill himself until he realized, oh my goodness, I made a real big difference. That's you. That's the whole message. That. That's you in the gospel. That's you in, 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 in your home, and in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace. It's like, me? I'm an outcast. I'm pathetic. Yes, welcome home. Dream big. Pray big. And watch what God will do. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you've called us to life. Lord, first and foremost, I pray for those who are still in their sin right now. They've never put their faith in Jesus. They've been filled with doubt. They've been filled with whatever has gotten in their way. But you are opening, just you, Lord, open their eyes to see, their ears to hear, and their heart to believe that today will be the day of their salvation, the day where they say yes to Christ, the day where they say yes, I believe, I believe to life you call them, Lord. And so, God, I pray. I pray for those who are in the room who are called to that life, that, that they're already in the mission, sometimes so bad they feel like they're drowning. Oh, God, give them respite. Give them courage. Help their weary bodies and weary souls to remind them what they're doing. Each and every second in the fight, what they're doing. Give them what they need, Lord, I pray. Lord, for those who are maybe on the sidelines, they once were in the fight, but they, they gave up because of something that happened or they got tired and, 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 and a, a season of rest has turned into a few years of disobedience. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would call them back in. You'd give them the avenue uh, and just give them something to be excited about for the gospel. And Lord, I pray for, for those, oh Lord, for those who have never been in the fight, get them excited to join in, to join in the mission of life. And Lord, lastly, I pray for your mercy and your grace and your peace for all those who are weary and hurting and just feel like they can't get up and get excited about anything. Fill them with the mercies that are new every morning and do it in the name of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you can, stand with me and let's sing.